The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Last Sunday, when Lane finished reading the gospel, he said he's thankful for trained theologians who can help us understand this. I would love to meet a trained theologian who can help us understand this one. <laughs> and, and on my marker board in my office on the bottom right, kind of smudged now, but in, in big, bold red letters, it says, money doesn't matter. And what prefaces that is money is important, but money doesn't matter. And, and I, I really don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm certain that, that I'm convinced of it. I'm also certain that this is one of the most confusing parables to try to interpret and explain and proclaim that I've encountered in all the gospel. I've, I've never, never gotten a hold of it, and, and maybe it's never gotten a hold of me. Um, and all but one of the commentaries I read said the exact same thing. And they gave so many interpretive options for this passage, um, it, it may be anybody's guess. But, but, but let's, let's, let's try something for a minute. Um, before we get started into that, let's talk about baseball. The Yankees are playing the Blue Jays this afternoon, and the Blue Jays are 39.5 games behind. And so the Yankees are trying out this new player um, on first base. And I, I haven't seen his name, but I was wondering if you knew the player on first base. Who's on first? Yes, that's what I want to know, Greg. What's the name of the player on first base? So, so there's, there's three bases in the infield, and there are three players at each of those bases, and they all have names. The Yankees are trying out a new one. I'd like to know the name of the player on the first base. <sighs> a batter comes up to bat, right? And, and, and the pitcher throws the ball to the catcher and the batter hits the ball and it goes to the shortstop and the shortstop throws it to the player on first base and I need to know the name of the player on first base. <laughs> Y'all got the jokes today, right? You're pretty good at them too. Maybe better, well, probably, no, definitely better than I am. So we're in this together. Let's spend a little time listening to some of the scholars as, as what they have to say about this passage um, and, and try to find some clarity about this. It's a new chapter um, at, at the beginning of chapter 16, and, and, and one commentator said Jesus is introducing a new ethos, an, an, a new mode of ethics for the kingdom, a new way of living, a new way of acting, a new way of thinking, a new value system. And even though this parable has stomped a lot of folks, I believe we can find our way through this. 
And, and the question that, that persists in my mind is, and, and none of the commentators ask this, so I might be way out in left field, but what if Jesus was teaching by negative example using irony and satire? What if we looked at it from a literary perspective? And he was saying something like, do you really think a landowner would commend the tactics of a dishonest steward? Do you think that's a viable option in the kingdom of God? Maybe. I don't know. So one of the commentaries suggested there, 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 there are three possibilities with the cutting down of the bills that the debtors owed. The first is the manager was a crook and he just cut some off the top so he could create indebtedness among uh, other folks. The, the, the second is that he, in, in obedience to the law, the Torah, he cut out the interest the landowner was likely charging because Torah forbids charging interest. And so he cut that out. The third is that he cut out his fees from the cost. And, and if, if, if you look at the, the projected value, monetary value of, of these each bills, the, the oil and the wheat, the amounts equaled 500 days wages. And so that might likely be his fees. The, the, the first and, and, and the third, he's only serving himself. The second, he's serving the law, but he's also serving himself. And the second and third, we need more information than is in the parable that may or may not have been available to the hearers. So he was probably just a crook. <laughs> but all three of them created a relational indebtedness. I've done this for you, so you owe me, and one day I will collect. And I, I don't know about you, but, but in all of the teachings of Jesus that I've read and, and can likely remember in one day, that doesn't fit at all. There's no relational indebtedness within the kingdom of God. If someone presents a need and we're able to tend to that need, we tend to it because God has given us and entrusted to us the need to the, the ability to tend to that need. And people say thanks, and we say, You're welcome, it's my joy. So then what do we do? So he he commends the shrewd manager, and I, I, I go back to the, the teaching by negative example of saying, do you really think this is a viable option? I mean, when you were growing up, did your parents ever do that? You know, you, you, I, I never had a curfew growing up. And, and I remember distinctly one time getting ready to go out on a Friday or Saturday evening, probably Friday because... Um, I had things to do on Saturday also. And, and Dad said, what time will you be home? I said, oh, probably by 2. He said, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, 12? He said, what do you have to do tomorrow? And I ran through the list. He said, how about 11? I said, okay. Um, I presented what I knew was not a viable option to see where the limit was. Maybe Jesus is doing that as a teacher. 
Do you think my dad would have said while I was in high school or early college, you can stay off till two in the morning? No, uh -uh. I don't think so. Um, and there may be a parable in commending the dishonest steward. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, See, I am sending you out like sheep amidst the wolves, so be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I don't know if there's a tighter, thinner tightrope to walk upon in life, but balancing astuteness, awareness, wisdom, situational awareness with innocence is the thinnest of fine lines we might walk, yet it is what Christ commands us to do. Among the concluding statements in this passage about serving, it's obvious that whether or not we serve, somebody is not an option. In, in, in other words, we are bound to be servants of someone or something. Either we're serving ourselves, either we're serving our possessions, or we're trying to serve God. And probably sometimes, most of the time, all the time, it's some semblance of a mix of all of that. And as followers of Christ, we are being grown into perfection. And then Jesus says plainly, you can't serve God and you can't serve money. So what are some confident conclusions we might come to about this? I think that we can clearly understand from this confusing parable that all of our resources, who we are and all of our experiences, all that God has entrusted to us materially, individually and collectively, is to be used to serve the greater purpose of building the kingdom of God. And that is built by forging relationships with one another within this gathered body and then reaching out beyond the walls of this church to forge relationships with people all over Southeast Texas and the world. Now, why would I use the word forge in talking about building relationships? Because it's work. It's work. I, I don't know if you've watched Forged in Fire, but I love that show because they, they put metal in the flame and then they take it out and they smash it and they make beautiful things out of it. And I just kind of scratch my head and go, wow. The next conclusion is that our means matter as much as our ends. Our means matter as much as our ends. The way we do things matter as what we do. So in all of our relationships, we're to be above and beyond reproach. That sounds like being perfect all the time. You think that's possible? Um... Actually, as United Methodists, as sons and daughters of John Wesley, we do believe we are going on to perfection. And, and a, a, as one of your pastors, I am certain that it is attainable 
in this lifetime because my bishop asked me that when I was ordained. And every time, every time anybody is examined before the annual conference, they are asked, do you believe that you are going on to perfection? Yes. Do you believe that you will attain it in this lifetime? Yes. Then they ask the kicker, the one that just knuckles down and puts you back in that forge. Are you earnestly striving after it? Yes, parenthetically, sometimes my earnestly striving is stronger than others. But that is my desire. So, so how we do that is actually a part of how we live life is actually a part of our baptismal covenant of surrounding one another with a community of love and, and faithfulness. So I think... I think some practical applications are John Wesley's instructions for uh, money. John Wesley gave us three rules for money. He said, earn all you can, give, save all you can, and give all you can. And he himself died almost penniless. It, it, it was said that upon his death, he, he left the Methodist church and so many preachers and a nice library but he didn't have any cash. Um, so what does it come down to? What does it come down to? For me, it come down, comes down to being faithful. And, and by faithfulness, as, as, as I've read and studied this, it, it, I mean that, that I possess and, and, and I am possessed by such a quality of authenticity as a disciple of Jesus that when people see us, they see past us, they see through us, they see around us, or they see behind us, so that maybe it's they see deep, deep inside of us and they see Christ alone. Because He is the one we are called to serve. He is the one we are called to proclaim. He is the one we are called to represent to the world. <laughs> And I get lost sometime in the confusing possibilities of interpretation of passages like this. And it's hard for me not to try to find the answer because I got to know. But honestly, I have more questions about this passage than I have answers. And I've just got to come to peace with that. And I've just got to understand that in the midst of my confusion, Christ will bring clarity for my practice. And for me, with this passage, it's to be faithful. It's to be authentic in all my life. It's to be and to become the one whom Christ is calling me to be. Let's pray. Quite humbly and maybe with fear and trepidation, O oh God, we ask You to make this so. That we might be and become the ones You call us to be. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.